0: okay welcome to the never iron anything comics review podcast um i'm back with al hello al greetings hello mate you're right uh that took Not something so of a turn yeah this week didn't it a bit, bit. <laughs> yeah yeah quite exciting so um long story short we um we we did al, al sent me a comic did you want to say what the comic we're talking about is al?
1: yeah so as people may know or, or think otherwise we actually try to do a little bit of research in advance of actually <laughs> talking about the books that we talk about here and through that process the number of times that I would go onto to comics.org and say right th- this creator what you know, what have they worked on previously and this particular book would always end up in the list right so it, it really was a point that was connecting many many people together so I really thought it was something we should probably look at um, and it Dates back to that sweet spot when we keep saying that uh, comics were at their best, which was at the early nineties, um, yeah. and it's from nineteen ninety-one. And, and if I give it its full title, please do. It's the totally stonking, surprisingly educational, and utterly mind-boggling comic relief comic, published by Fleetway.
0: Brilliant stuff, man.
1: Oh and I'll not list the artists and writers involved because to far too many of them. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Good. Although we're going to talk about a few of them. Now, what happened was we tried to do a bit of research by outreaching to people. Um, and we, we messaged a few people and good old David Hine, who I love, David's great, we've had him on the Awesome Comics podcast quite a few times. He said, Why don't you speak to Pete Hogan? So, after one message Pete said, I I remember it all. So we're gonna rely on that memory in a second, and we're also gonna be asking him to tell us all about that very long title but so here he is a prolific comics writer music music and movie journalist and now voice artist on television peter hogan hello pete
2: hi how you doing
0: <laughs> good yeah the uh to, let's get the voice artist out of the way i messaged you last night after re-watching the last episode of uh, resident alien and i was sure i heard your voice
2: yeah they asked me to um just do a little thing as kind of a a, an easter egg for the fans um and it's basically um i do a voiceover pretending to be a journalist and i thought i could do that
1: (laughs) (laughs) didn't feel a little bit tape cast then yeah
0: well that's interesting because um we're gonna we're gonna be talking to you about the comic relief comic but if you um go i don't know if you often visit your own wikipedia page but if you do visit your wikipedia page there's an audio clip on there that has you saying that you started making comics in 1991 which yeah that's true yeah which is the year that this came out so um but it's not your first comics project you were editing revolver at the time is that right yeah
2: well i i was um Mm. um I was brought in to work at Fleetway uh, to help out on Crisis, so that Stephen Manners ah, okay. followed them. Mm. Um, and then I, they made me assistant editor on Crisis, and then they asked me to set up Revolver. So,
0: oh wow, okay. The
2: middle of Revolver, um, the, the comic relief thing came up. So,
0: so this is quite a, a jigsaw of a book. I know we just had a quick conversation about it before we came yeah. on, but uh, I can imagine. There's three credited editors. There's yourself, Richard yeah. Curtis, and Neil Gaiman. I think are the three. Um, yeah. So how did how did you come about? What's the origin of your work on this, Pete? Um,
2: they they'd already started, you know, vaguely trying to pull things together to do this, uh, but they didn't have a publisher. They didn't have a kind of umbrella to make it happen and they approached fleetway and john davidge who was a fleetway executive dragged me along to a big meeting with neil gaiman and a thousand other people um <laughs> and uh, at the end of that i discovered that i was i was editing this thing <laughs> that's great but um, like you say it was it was nominally edited by um me and neil and richard and um we certainly worked on the script the three of us and then it went out to artists and from that point on it was basically me and various people helping with the production and administration right because there's hundreds of people involved in this almost aren't there, there are hundreds of people involved <laughs> in it it was a nightmare of coordination um And, um, you know, and comics people aren't the most, you know, organized of people. Um, Some of them, you know, I mean, there are those that can make a deadline and those that can't. Um, But um, somehow we actually managed it because the the thing was we we needed to actually have it on the racks in time for um, Red Nose Day. Yeah. Uh, And it is kind of a miracle that we managed that. And we did it by breaking a lot of rules and offending a few people, but good, yeah. But we got the job down, (laughs) yeah, crisis style, yeah. The (laughs) um, so for
0: those that don't know and haven't seen it, um, it's it it will never be reprinted, I'm guessing. No, it can't be. No, um, it's basically a a kind of higgledy piggledy story that runs throughout it that features the hosts of Comic Relief, which is a British charity, um, that features Jonathan Ross, um. And Lenny Henry uh, and, a, and a number of other people. Um, Griff Rhys Jones has a, a sort of kind of is kind of in it, um, mm. and it runs through various comic com- characters, various um, from many companies, as well as um, a number of different areas of comedy as well. So the yeah. licensing and copyright on this was must have been the biggest headache in the world. I'm guessing
2: it was. I mean. Um... I think it was Grant Morrison's idea to bring in, you know, real-life comedians, and by that we mean everybody. You know, Charlie Drake, Frankie Howard, everybody. Monty Python, yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot. And that was basically an administrative nightmare, which fortunately I didn't have anything to do with comic relief. Um, right. their, uh, Clover, who was one of their administrative people, basically rang everybody up and got them to sign release forms. Um, okay. Because I, uh,
0: I do have a big theory that Desperate Dan was um, boning Esther Ransom. That is a big theory of mine <laughs> from this comic. Um, you it's not yeah. say. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> but also from the actual comic characters' perspective, this is probably the only book that will ever exist that has a single panel in it that contains The Flash, Green Lantern, Martian Manhunter, Thor, Doctor Strange, Iron Man, Silver Surfer, Wolverine... Uh, Batman, RoboCop, Mr. <laughs> fantastic, and the Sleeze Brothers.
2: Yeah, which the blasphemy as a, past. As yeah, a yeah.
1: combination of, of characters all in the one panel that just can't be achieved anywhere else.
2: No, well, I it achieved got achieved. Well, like I said, I kind of broke a few rules. I mean, the um, there were two things that we were absolutely one hundred percent not allowed to do, uh, and I did both of them. <laughs> uh, and, uh, and one of them was despite the fact that Neil had got a kind of signed piece of paper from Kevin Eastman saying, you can do anything you want with the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the licensees in Britain were a part of Fleetway, and the guy that was you know, the editor or whatever in charge of it absolutely refused to give us permission. So we oh, just wow. went, fuck you, we've got a piece of paper. <laughs> <laughs> we're doing it. Yeah. It's, um, yeah. it's for charity. It's for charity, yeah. And the thing with uh, the big two was Marvel were fine, Um, and DC, if we'd managed to get hold of uh, Jeanette Kahn or anybody in the sort of, you know, the actual sort of top of the hierarchy, I'm sure it would have been fine, but we didn't, and it ended up having to go through their sort of licensing people, who just said a blank no, and we sort of said, look, if Marvel are here and you're not, you're going to look silly. They didn't care, and they said the only way they'd allow us to do it would be to use um these kind of sort of static two-dimensional uh depictions of the characters from their style guide so it would have looked like you know uh the marvel people were alive and everybody else was a cardboard cutout so we thought well, we can't have that you know it'll make them look <laughs> bad so uh so we took the we took the bigger picture and again it's for charity so um and um and so we did it but afterwards dc uh and again it was this one person in dc said you know you have to agree that you won't reprint this so i went all right you know we've done it we've raised the money we got it out yeah oh man so, this must have been so much pressure i'm guessing yeah and well it was one of those things where i had to kind of um uh you know bite the bullet for it really. Right. um I, I was happy to do so because i thought it was a good project and and you know and like i say it raised i think 45 grand for charity which is not to be sneezed at that's good oh, yeah. yeah so you were saying that, that originally
0: the story was because re- you were grant morrison was early on in the project almost around yeah. the same time you joined up was it your?
2: yeah i think so mm. i mean it was one of those things where i think you know the ideas of what we wanted to cover in it were were fairly vague, and uh, and Grant went off and wrote a kind of very loose, sketchy plot that that sort of broke it down page by page, and then we allocated those pages to um, different writers and artists, but the writers came first, obviously. Most um, important, obviously, Pete. Yeah, well, you, you ain't got a script, <laughs> you ain't got nothing, you know. You got <laughs> um, so. Um, so, yes, yeah, so Grant did that, and then it came... Um, we sent it out to different writers. Their scripts came back. And, of course, um, it was an unholy mess, and we had to rewrite the whole thing so that it, it made sense and flowed. And that was that was down to um, Neil and myself and Richard, and probably mainly Neil. OK. Well,
0: you said that was quite but, a, a moment in your life as well at that point, wasn't it? You, 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 yeah, you, it
2: was, because, uh, I mean... I'd considered writing comics myself. I'd edited dozens of comics. Um, but I'd always had this kind of problem of the thing that bugged me was where do you start? You know, um, and do you have to have it all, in? Uh, you know, set out in your head and first and, you know, questions like that. Um, and what I really learned was you could begin anywhere. You know, you could begin with a scene or a line of dialogue. You could begin with the beginning or the middle or the end. Really doesn't matter because of the miracle of word processing, you can just fix it all later. <laughs>
0: yeah.
2: um, and but the important thing is to start, and then the second most important thing is to finish. <laughs> so and so somewhere buried in the um, the middle of all of that is my first comic script, which you mentioned, Jod Ridway. It's that one. It's the one with Dan Dare and Doctor Who. Oh, Dr. Wow, okay.
0: Oh, interesting. Yeah, which is in its well. Let's we'll get to that in a moment because Al, you you want to have just a quick chat because you've got a couple of theories about this, haven't you?
1: Yeah, so I mean, I, I I see this book very much as as a nexus point for for UK comics because it's at the top of the wave for when comics were prime general culture. It's it's fourteen years after 2000 AD launched, so. Everybody who was a, a, a teenager when 2008 ad launched is, is now in their early 30s and therefore is starting to get into the, you know, they, they're the ones that have got the money to put towards charity and the like. It's a couple of years after Batmania. So, you know, comics are, are still the big thing in terms of sort of like the general culture. It's five years after Dark Knight and Watchmen first came out which means that by this point in time, they were on that BBC2 late-night culture show that everyone sat around a a table in in big leather chairs. So it had that cultural, or comics had that cultural acceptance beyond the simple kids' view that a lot of people had prior to that and perhaps have now gone back to, in terms of the the UK public at large. And I do think that's why this is a... It's really interesting to see that... You know pushing it forward from from the charity perspective meant that people said yes of course there's a comic that comes with this as part of the bigger charity because comics are just part of our thing now in the uk and it, it's really interesting how that has then died away so you know, comic relief takes place again in a couple of weeks time i think it's on the, on the yeah. 17th there's not a comic that comes with it this year no. And there hasn't been another comic with it, with it since. Now, some of that is probably the editorial nightmare that, that you went through. <laughs> yeah, you ruined it for everyone but, else, did but, <laughs> but there is this... It's, it's a really interesting thing to say. You know, I, I don't know if comics are as culturally accepted in the UK now as they were in nineteen nineteen. And they, they almost were think, the most then, you know. Hmm.
2: I think they are and they aren't. I mean, I think, you know, comics... Because of things like the Marvel movies you know comics are now much more of a kind of um, they're a part of family life you know and people mm. are familiar with them even if, even if it's just the superhero stuff um but on a kind of cutting edge culture thing um i'm not so sure that's true because you know what what happened back then was we were all hoping that the superhero thing would open up to allow more of You know other kinds of comics, and that hasn't really happened the way that we hoped it would. You know, Mm. I mean, still, you know, good stuff out there, and Dark Horse and Image are doing, you know, a a wider range of things. But um, you know, but Vertigo's gone. You know, various other kinds. Yeah, it's a shame in it. Yeah, losses. Um, You know, so I don't know. I don't know. I do know that a couple of people have tried to do comic relief comics in the intervening years. And they kind of died on their knees, whimpering for various very- <laughs> <laughs> reasons. Know. But it was, I mean, it is frankly a miracle that we got it done. I mean, I'm not <laughs> patting my own back. It was a lot of people helped, but it it was very, very hard work.
0: For people that don't realise, this was before mobile phones and before the internet, almost, pretty much. Right? Y- yeah. So you must have just been sat at a desk with a red-hot phone, you know, dialing numbers constantly. Oh, international call to America, you know, calling Neil Gaiman back. You know, it must have been... A- a- yeah,
2: a- yeah. Well, we're in the era of fax machines. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. Now, there's there's a lot of people in this. Um, and so we're going to talk. We can't. I don't think we're going to be able to talk about them all. But we did want to talk about quite a lot of the people who were involved and maybe any of your memories of it. Um, there, I know you told us this story, but if you wouldn't mind, tell us it again. So Alan Moore is in this. You know, um, it's it's almost because there's a lot of people out there, for example, who are Neil Gaiman completists, Scott Morrison completists, Alan Moore completists, especially. Um, Alan's in this, but th- the way it's quoted on the internet is that he didn't really get on very well with Fleetway for whatever reason. Um yeah. So it's just um, his partner's name in here, is that right? So Melinda um, Gebbie, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, is that what happened, or how? What's your memory of that, dude? Uh, yeah, it
2: was. It was. Uh... Well, basically, we asked Belinda to take part, and um you know uh I think it must have been obvious even to Alan that we kind of hoped that he would you okay. know and and, um, and do some of some of the the jokes in it and it's fairly obvious that is what happened um and I think Alan was fine with it as long as people didn't know i mean he had um He'd long since fallen out with Fleetway, he'd fallen out with uh, DC by this point, and okay. and Marvel by this point as well. <laughs> so he was very much kind of at arm's length from the whole I thing. I kind of like him for that. But at the same time, I, mean? yeah. he, he, I think he kind of approved of the idea and wanted to take part on some level.
0: Yeah, I get you, and uh, I'm just looking at spotlight. Spotlight on Red Nose Day events kind of sits almost on its own in this because it's not really part of the narrative stru- main structure. But no. it's, so it's basically lots of gags. For example, um, Brighton in a sponsored comedy exorcism at the Old Rectory, Mister Wilf Snoddy is demonically possessed by the late great Tommy Handley, and he's raised raised six thousand six hundred and sixty six pounds and sixty six pence. That's that is just a humour to me just stuff like yes. that. It's yeah. easy to spot, isn't it? Yeah. 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 <laughs> um the other one of the other ones and we're particular fans of Viz is the involvement of Viz in this. So was it there was quite a few people from Viz involved in this was there.
2: Um I think we just put out a sort of general call to people and what we probably said to Viz was please do something for us. Um we don't care what, but we've allocated whatever it was a page or two to you so you know um, and we took what came back all oh, right so I you mean, didn't
0: say it should be Roger Melli because that's very specific almost for me no we didn't yeah. but
2: I mean it does fit extremely well yeah uh, yeah but there were various people who are you know so bloody maverick you just kind of have to let them go on with it you know let them go- <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I don't uh, I think Jamie, it's actually quite nice. Jamie so Hewlett like, and Alan Martin we just said, you know, do <laughs> something. They, and, and completely, they, they, they completely ignored the script Like business yeah, They the they, they, were, yeah. they were
1: clearly on something at the time when they were doing yeah. Mr. Sausage Man, which was <laughs> <laughs> <it>. <laughs> Yeah. I, I actually think it's really nice in the middle of the book here that you actually go from a a dandy and bino couple of pages straight into a couple of Viz pages. Yes, I think because that, it, it it's a really sort of then and awesome now approach. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's also a really interesting part of the dynamic that and, and sadly he left us just recently that um, David Sutherland has has signed the page that or the pages that he worked on that are the, the Dandy Bino pages, which is obviously very unusual for creators of the Dandy and Bino to actually be specifically credited. Yeah. And even at the back of the book He's not credited. It's just the team from the yeah. and Dandy, and it's a really again. That's it. Just sets a part of the history of the of, of British comics. I think in terms of, of how it sort of balances the two of those things together.
0: Were you conscious this is what you are creating? It's it's very much a document, this isn't it, of everyone in 1991 before, after you know, and still going now who was involved in the British comics scene. You know, it really is.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was. Um... I mean, like I say, you know, there were, there were a few people that said no, but by and large, we got pretty much everybody. Yeah. And uh, it was, uh, I don't think we were thinking about posterity or anything. We were just actually trying to do this thing to see if we could pull it off. And, and um, against uh, many odds, we did.
0: Yeah, you really did, man. It's great. Um, just want to quickly cover something on the Roger Melli page. Uh, and I know we chatted briefly about this. Panel three on the Roger, Roger Melli page is obviously, to me, Roger Melli's based on Terry Wogan, isn't he? I, I, is yeah. that right? I'm guessing, yeah. Yeah.
2: He's um, that kind of, yeah, it's Alan Partridge. It's you know, yeah. whoever.
0: Yeah, without the syrup. Um, and it says, um, so it, the, the, the there's a regular in Roger Melli for everyone, really, who's his producer. And his producer asked him to be involved in a charity event. And uh, Roger says, hey, you know me, Tom. I'll do my bit to help the kids. And it never did Jimmy Savile any harm, eh? Know what I mean, Tom. Now, this does appear, um, I think, on David Bishop's blog with a bit of, oh, yeah, what's all that about? But you were saying you had no knowledge of that. It's just you left think it you to his, could... and, you know.
2: Yeah, if it was, if it was a, uh, you know, I think there was the whole sort of Jim will fix it kind of, you know, Side of it, yeah. I don't think. I mean, you know, every everybody was kind of aware to some level or another about Saddle. Yeah, well, I think uh, maybe we thought he was just a fucking weirdo. Do you know what yeah. I mean? That's, yeah. But beyond that, I think if if it was a dig, we didn't. If it was a more pointed dig, and it might have been, um, we didn't pick up on it.
0: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Viz had actually done a story about him before, about him always trying to be get more famous and getting free things. I think. I think it's yeah. called Jimmy Savile mm-hmm. the Fish or something they called it, believe it or not. Yeah, <laughs> God bless him. Yeah. Um, and then one of the other ones we wanted to ask you, sorry, was that the battle of the chins is genius. The competition yeah. of the biggest chin. Who, who, who yeah. was it? Was that you wrote that, Peter? No, no. Yeah. I'm, it's the
2: kind of, who was the artist on I that one? I think it's David Hine, I think, on that one. David
1: Hine, yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah, David could probably tell you. But um, my guess is um, that might even have been, you know, somebody like Grant. I don't know. Grant did do a little bit of writing, and I can't remember what it was.
0: Yeah, yeah. Because that has, obviously, there's a battle. Who's got the best chin in comics? And it's Dread, Dan Dare, Captain Britain, Desperate Dan. And then Bruce Forsyth flies into panel, and he obviously wins it. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, really good man. Yeah, yeah, really good. <laughs> <laughs> and um the other thing we wanted to ask you about is that I know you mentioned that Gaiman wrote the um the Turtles, which is never gonna be re- reprinted, I don't think you know, he mentions it on his blog as well. Yes, I mean, yeah. yeah. Have you have you spoke to him since about that or? You've uh, worked with him, haven't you?
1: you? We
2: we're still vaguely in touch, but I mean, you know, it's um uh it's hard to I mean, the last time I saw Neil in the Flesh was at a convention was at San Diego and about twenty years ago and we waved at each other across a room. <laughs> <laughs> um so other than that it's just the odd email here and there and that kind of thing. Um The Turtles thing he was um, was nominally written by Neil's son uh I'm gonna say Matthew. I think it's oh, okay. Matthew. Um, but, you know, with with a lot of help from dad. And it was really, that was just kind of he wanted to do something for, you know, because he thought it would be nice for his son, who was a big Turtles fan. Yeah. So
1: it, why not? And it has a very interesting joke in it as well about whether they are hero turtles or whether they are ninja turtles. Oh, you right. Know, there was the, the differentiation was drama, of title they? depending on um, whether it was the UK or the... Uh, or that the was States, the most but, ridiculous
0: yeah. thing in the world, wasn't it? I know yes. we go through a lot of ridiculous things these days but that it's got to be up there somewhere on the totem pole of nonsense. <laughs> well I think yeah.
2: you the de- thing was with uh that you were dealing with a different generation you know you were dealing with people who were in their 50s or 60s rather than in their 30s Yeah. <laughs> so,
0: um I I want to have a quick chat about your two pages in here the science fiction insert. Uh, I just wanted to read what John Ridgway sent me because I I sent him a message. Um, And he said, it was great fun to draw, as you're probably aware, I have a close connection with the comic strip versions of at least two of the Doctors, as he drew for the monthly. Um, I'm also a major fan of Dandere, the Frank Hampson version, obviously, and would love to do more Dandere work. In the first picture, you will probably have noticed Thunderbird 3. There is also Tintin's spaceship from his trip to the moon. Near it is a spaceship from The Adventures of Robert Space Kingley. And flying above is the saucer from Twin Earths, drawn by Alden McWilliams. Sure I, I thought yeah. Um, it's good to work on something silly, funny, and now and then, and keeps me sane moderately. He he says about that one. So there's a lot of Easter eggs on these these two pages, aren't there? Yeah, there really yeah. are. How, how much was that with you, and
2: how much were you know? Bit of both. I yeah. mean, it was um, you know, my brief, such as it was, was uh, we need to have uh Dan Dare and Doctor Who, and at that point, you've gonna gotta have. Um, you know, the Mekon, and preferably the Daleks, but Terry Nation wouldn't let us use the Daleks. I so was really. going to ask about that. Yeah. panel. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs>
0: John messaged me about that afterwards. And he said, y- y- you'll notice, I think Exterminate, I think it was Johnny Boy Freeman mentioned say, it. Yeah.
1: yeah. They say, don't eat,
0: don't eat. <laughs> yeah. yeah, cool. It's lovely, though. It's a lovely couple of pages. And, you know, you got to play with, like nearly all the doctors at that point, I'm guessing. Yeah, it was, wasn't it?
2: Yeah, and, um, you know, it was one of those things where I kind of went, yeah, OK, so I've got to write this and I haven't written a, actually written a comic before, so let's give it my best shot. And afterwards, Neil very sweetly said, it's as good as anything else in there. So <laughs> after that, I started writing comics.
0: You're off and but... running, my friend, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's great. Did you want to talk about your pages, Al? That you wanted to
1: uh, I was going to actually just sort of <laughs> that... That was your exposure with, with with John. Obviously, Steve Parkhouse has also got pages in here. Yes. Um, so were you involved with him as part of that, given that you've obviously now got the, the long-term relationship with it in terms well, of, of other books? Well, all of this kind of...
2: Uh, my relationship with Steve basically comes down to the fact that I was a Steve Parkhouse fan. Cool. And so I got him to do things for Revolver and then... Uh, you know, just roped him in uh, to the, the comic relief thing because we could, you know, well, at least we could ask. Yeah. Mm. Uh, and um, and further down the line, you know, when I would started um, doing stuff for Vertigo and um, I got a sort of uh, Sandman spin-off story uh, place with them and they said, who do you want to do it? And I said, Steve Parkhouse. And then the rest of it, it all just flows from there. Yeah.
0: yeah. He's great, man. We we did an episode on the Bo Jeffries. Um, yeah, about a year ago now. I'm going to say, uh, no,
1: it wasn't as far. Well, and that was another one of these ones where we were doing research on that book, and I was like, oh, there's Steve's linked again to this book, and it, it's this this whole point when we keep doing bits of bits of research and, and finding it. In terms of pages, I absolutely adored. I I love the Dave Gibbons pages that are in here, where. Um, a, he, he obviously it's Dave Gibbons, so therefore the art is absolutely beautiful, and you can tell that he's. Um, I, I'm sure he knew these people in, in terms of who they who he's who he's captured the the older yeah. couple that that are talking to each other, um, and it, it's so very softly and gently dealt with in terms of that that bit of the story. Um, I think you were saying as well when when Grant first pulled together the the sort of plot, he was talking about it being uh, a Constantine storyline. Um, and obviously, there's. Also well, a was
2: the, I think they they did uh, well. When I say they, I think I mean Neil um, did approach Vertigo, and mm. uh, and if if it had happened there, then it would have kind of pivoted around John Constantine. But it didn't happen there for the simple reason, I think, is that they were. This was obviously going to be a very British project, and yeah. Vertigo was, you know, three thousand miles away in New York, so. Yeah.
0: Yeah, so, although kind of they, the Britain, Britain supported Vertigo. I don't think they'd have, they'd have gone for so long <laughs> if it wasn't for us, to be fair. No. Yeah, yeah.
1: But th- throughout this, the, the, the book, there's a meandering story featuring Blackadder character, betrayed, um, obviously, by, by Ron Atkinson. Um, and there's a, there's a lot of that where, where Ron Atkinson ends up being, or the Blackadder character ends up being in a big long trench coat, walking through the rain and, and the like... Yeah. It's. Um, it, I think it's really interesting to because I I didn't know about the the connection that you, that you've told us about and but I'd already actually said it'd be really interesting to see Rowan Atkinson in nineteen ninety one uh, if he he played John Constantine it would be an interesting sort of take as a as as a way with it
0: I got a little proto invisibles from it as well I think at moments so it might be the combination of Grant and some of the art I think but uh, yeah yeah. Um, you know that a page of this has just appeared. I don't know if you've had a chance to read it or seen it yet, Peter, but Confabulation, Confabulation which is the new Dave Gibbons autobiography. Um,
2: I haven't seen it yet. No. Yeah,
0: one of the pages, he puts one of the pages in it, and he says, um, I wrote, drew, and painted and lettered a few pages for Comic Relief, Red Nose Day, Charity Comic in 91. I bought some insight, having worked in a residential home as a student, and I also got my uncle, who worked in social care, to help with research. Okay, It's quite something. Yeah. Yeah. Have you got any memories of any of the other people you work with? Any I'm not gonna ask for any dramas, but you know, any, any memories of speaking to people, people were delayed, or people were coming up with ideas or just stuff you didn't like or you had to send back or anything like that?
2: No, I think a few people were running late, so it was all a bit kind of tense, but um but nothing major, no. I mean, um it was um it was one of those kind of experiences where it was so intense. It was it was it was a bit like, you know, making a record, you know. you 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 end up kind of hysterical because of the kind of insularity of it, you know. Uh it's just three people in a room trying to make <laughs> all this thing together. <laughs> and um and you do go a little crazy doing it. But um no, I'm I'm proud of it. You know, I think we did a good job. Yeah,
0: there's some great pages. Yeah? Oh, I think I was telling you before we came online, but I was sat in a cafe and chatting to a friend at the Comic Mart a couple of weeks ago. Um, it was um, Eamon who, who hosts the show with with me now occasionally. And um, I was holding it in my hands as Sean Phillips walked past, and he very proudly pointed at me and went, I'm in that. And yeah. then we had a little look at the page and everything, and, yes, that's a great page of his. It's in his kind of his older style, which was more fully painted almost, you know. Yeah. Yeah, really oh, nice. I
2: thought, you know, it's one of those things where um... – you know, I felt like I was doing a fair amount of um, um, bullying and nagging to get people to take part. But they all did take part, yeah. pretty much. You know, and um, and God bless them. Yeah. You
0: know? Hunt Emerson's pages, man. Beautiful.
2: <laughs> so
0: if I could have a piece of OA from this, I think it would be his pages
2: yeah yeah Hunt and I were going to work on a project that we we just couldn't get a publisher interested in it's, a, it's I was thinking about it the other day it's a real shame but such is life you know
1: yeah yeah there's still yeah. time there's still time
0: yeah yeah <laughs> you're, you're the big cheese now Pete we know this yeah you can oh
2: yeah. me yeah, no. yeah. Uh, <laughs> I wish <laughs> maybe
0: we could I could help you and we could write the um the slash fiction Desperate Dan Esther Ransom comic <laughs> at some point.
2: <laughs> I think we can get sued. <laughs>
0: um, ask uh, our mutual friend. Me and her have both met Esther once. If you get a chance, just say that to her. That's quite funny. <laughs> okay. um, yeah, so thanks for that, man. And if, I think we'll probably, if you don't mind, move on just to Al, if that's okay with you, move on to have a chat about your work and everything. Um, yeah, sure. If you don't mind. I'm an absolutely massive fan of Resident Alien. I've been reading Thank it you. since Dark Horse presents. Um, yeah. I'm, it's one of the few things. Mostly, I, my wife just stares at me with dead eyes across the room, but we do yeah. both enjoy the TV series as well. Um, yeah. which for those that haven't seen it, they're very different, aren't they?
2: Although they are, yeah. There's, I mean, yeah. I mean, it's it's one of the results of it being so different is that. Um, I could kind of relax and just enjoy it because I know it's like it, it's not my thing; it's their thing. Yeah. You know? um, so yeah, it's, it, it's very different. But like like yourself, most people seem to enjoy both, which yeah. is um, all I could have asked for, really.
0: And there's there's little hints of things that appear in the comic that then appear yeah. in the series, aren't they? Like the trip to New York, for example. Yeah, stuff like that.
2: That all gets a bit weird because then it's kind of uh, you know. A, partly them and partly me and it it does feel a bit odd but
0: um well there was so in, i was thinking yeah. about this the other day because i was listening to you do an interview i think with the forbidden planet guy and you were talking about seeing an inflatable king kong um when you went to new york once and then i realized that new york's also in the tv series and then i reread yeah. those issues and i remembered and i realized oh there's that king inflatable king kong so yeah. a little there's a little bit of you in harry
2: is there do you think yeah, I mean, well, the thing about characters is that you know they're all you, um, yeah. but yes, there is, there's probably more of me and Harry than um, than the others, yeah, okay.
0: And I've got a couple of theories I just want to run by you. Um, yeah, I think about we, how we clearly think about things too much. Um, firstly, you've gone from writing a lot of short stories, you know, the Strontium Dog stuff, um, yeah. Robo Hunter, Done Red, Vector 13, and now you're writing this story which you almost do you feel that you're allowed to take your time with it because it's about village life almost or about small town life isn't it you know
2: it is i mean it's one of those things that um it's kind of a soap opera um but it's just one that has an alien on every page um Uh, Somebody, the other day, somebody called it magical realism, and I was really (laughs) chuffed, you know. (laughs) Yeah, actually, in in a way, it kind of is. Uh, But yes, I mean, when you're writing for um, 2000 AD, you're doing it in six-page chunks or eight-page chunks, and, you know, they might add up to, you know, 30 pages or more when it's done, but it's it's not quite the same. I mean, the, the minute I started writing American comics it was like a bigger canvas you know all of a sudden i think it was i think a monthly then was 24 pages um so it really opened out and you are you're you're doing stories that are you know 100 pages or thereabouts so so you know you get used to that um i mean i had a lot of stuff under my belt really although i never worked on a monthly comic i did a, a lot of stuff um you know the Sandman spin-off stuff and then I got to work with Alan on all the ABC things yeah. like that. Yeah. So I had quite a lot under my belt before I sort of um, very nervously decided to do my own thing and see where it led. Um and I'm you know I'm again very chuffed that you know it turned out to be a success and people yeah. like it.
0: I love I love the way people refer to it as an overnight success, and I think your quote is saying it took almost ten years to get it from comic to TV.
2: Yeah,
0: yeah,
1: yeah <laughs> um I was going to say, yeah, you know, <laughs> the other thing I loved was your work on Tom Strong. Yeah, but um as Tony knows, I'm a big fan of of the pulp heroes. Yeah, and obviously, Tom Strong is essentially. I'm a pop hero, you know, with, a, with with strong connections to Doc Savage in terms of his his, his setup, I guess. But he, he kinda he kind of isn't he kind of isn't. There's a lot of silver age Superman in it mm.
2: as well. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And, and it comes across with Sprouse, that, doesn't that, it? Sprouse that, plays yeah. in that,
2: yeah. Oh, his, his, yeah. And uh but it was one it was a joy to work on. But partly because of Chris. Um but also they're just such great characters.
1: Yeah.
2: You know? yeah. 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 And, and I, also I I was kind yeah. of following uh, Alan, and Alan had set the bar very high. Um, but it was um, it was just a real joy to work on, you know. Yeah.
0: Can I, can I just... Put, sorry to interrupt you, Al, but do you mind if I just put my other theory to you about Resident Alien? Um, okay. This is just clearly just going to be you going no, but you, you've got to take chances in interviews, Pete. Um, yeah. Is there some Twin Peaks in it?
2: E- it's... Um, that was certainly in my head. Oh, I mean, that's okay. part of the reason. Um, well, the logic was: I thought, you know, if you've got somebody that's actually trying to hide out, they're going to go somewhere fairly remote. Um, and the minute I thought that, I saw pine trees, fir trees, and okay. that's that's Twin Peaks. So I thought, yeah, all right, fine. And um, so, so yeah, there's there's a little bit of Twin Peaks in there, but but it's not kind of as as out there as twin Peaks. yeah i get
0: that but i was more thinking of it like you've got a lot of people who seem quite normal on the outside but one of them's got their husband buried in their garden and you know this sort of thing not giving anything away obviously um it just yeah i had to ask that i just uh, we we, my good lady was saying to me the other day that everyone in it is so likable and that's and i actually doubly feel that with the comic i really because obviously it's tv everyone's got to be young and beautiful and you know good on the screen but in the comic it plays a little older maybe people are yes. in it like the sheriff not the sheriff the, the mayor's a little older and stuff like that um, yeah yeah interesting so did you how did you feel about it when you saw them all as like bright young things i love the sheriff in the tv series he's fucking genius yeah so way. do i i yeah. mean
2: i think you know chris sheridan is the showrunner has made um, a lot of decisions um that m- make it very different from the comic. And I know why he's made most of them, and it's because, you know, different stuff is required for TV, by and large. Um, and um, so I absolutely get why they made uh, made those characters younger. Um, the good thing is that they've, they've also made them interesting. So, you know, again, yeah. I don't have a problem with any of it. You know?
0: Yeah, no, that's good. I'd watch a TV series with the sheriff and the deputy at the now. Yeah.
2: Yeah but yeah. I think you know TV, I think TV Harry is very different from comics Harry and yeah. uh, and that's fine and Alan Tudyk's a great comedy actor but I think what you what the comic is maybe a bit different about is the fact of um uh he's kind of uh, Harry is in the comic he's kind of like a witness um and and so he is the outsider but there's there's a good deal of compassion involved yeah you know like you say most of the characters are nice and he's kind of um uh, he's on their side you know yeah
0: he's he's more of a passive observer to me in the comics whilst in the series he's almost the axis on which the story moves yeah yes. yeah cool yeah no i'll I absolutely love that now you left us um you broke my heart and left me to wait. We, I know we won't say what the reason for the last issue because it's only a couple of weeks ago it came out, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Um When's the new mini? You're you still doing it in minis, I'm
2: guessing. We're still yeah. doing it in minis. Um, the next one, Steve started work on it. Um, I've finished writing it. I've finished oh, okay. writing. It. Um And Steve has started working on it, but I don't think we're advanced enough to have a um, a date for it. For diamond yeah. or anything, yeah. No, I th- I think it'll probably be um, next year rather than this, but um, or it'll or the very end of this at any rate.
0: Because it's kind of the biggest cliffhanger you've done so far, isn't it? Between series, I'm gonna say.
2: Yeah, probably. I mean, what happened? Well, th- th- it's kind of changed. I mean, in that um, we're now doing the omnibus editions, which go kind, of, and the second omnibus is about to come out. Yeah. They collect three at a time. And the first three are all very kind of similar in that, you know, he's dealing with a kind of, uh, you know, murder or crime scenario in each mini series. And then by the time you get to sort of book four, it's Beginning to get a bit more complex, and the the larger story is beginning to take over. So that's where you get the, the New York trip and
0: the agents and stuff. Yeah, and the
2: agents and and all of that. And the the final three. Oops, there's a giveaway. Um, <laughs> the final three books are are more like sort of one big story. Okay. Um, and um, so yeah, so you've just had a third of that. Wow. It's
0: and the. The covers are lovely. Talk about iconic oh. covers. They've got that sort of. I know you've got a music journalist background, but they've kind of got that sort of. A lot of them have got a sort of go-go girls use of color, you know, yes. mod mod style cover artwork. Yeah, I beautiful.
2: can't. I can't take any credit for that. That's all Steve. Yeah, good. Cool. But, uh, Steve was just great. You know. Yeah,
0: yeah, so. yeah. Oh man, I I I reread it again. So I, I buy it as it comes out. It's on my poor list, and then I reread it over the last couple of weeks. And I keep sending Alan pictures of panels and stuff. And <laughs> you know, um, there is one that we we talked about when they're out, which was um, I think Harry's well, not in, taking it home. Yeah, not taking your work home. Not taking yeah. your work home. So There's a moment where someone says, "I'm." Oh, they're in an art gallery, and they and he said, "Well, you haven't got much art in your house." You know, he goes to see the woman in New York, yeah, and he says, "You haven't got much art in your house." And she says, uh, "I don't like to take my work home with me." And I wondered. Was that a little bit of you, or maybe a bit of Steve talking, or
2: probably me? I mean, right. I think that's the actual line I used, and and it's something I have certainly found to be true. Having turned a lot of my hobbies into work, yeah, is that um, you still love this stuff, but you don't love it in the same way. It does change.
0: Yeah, yeah. So it's work and... in a way. It's work, but you can still read comics for pleasure. Oh
2: yeah, that. yeah. Yeah, Yeah, and uh, uh, and I, I still, you know, listen to music and, you know, all the rest of it. But, you know, I, uh, for example, I stopped reading the music press when they stopped sending it to me. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I thought, yeah, but, but I'm good if I'm going to pay money for this now, you know.
0: Yeah. Um, oh, man, I'm, I'm a, Uncut was my magazine, man. I think yeah. I discovered so many bands of flaming... I was just listening to the Polyphonic Spree, and I think I found them through Uncut magazine, you know. Yeah
1: yeah no. some crackers yeah yes yeah. so if you're if you're still reading comics today and yeah. you were approached by somebody to say that they were choosing to edit the next comic relief compilation and they yeah. asked you for recommendations of mm-hmm. artists and writers to put in it who who would uh who would you write down on the list to get them to so you, you don't need to phone them up yourself but put them on the list of yeah try contacting well the
2: speaking. thing is is that i am um I'm probably not the person to ask because it, it's kind of the same with music. I mean, I still discover new music, but it's totally by accident. You know, I will oh, hear something on a movie soundtrack or, you know, playing in the background in a shop or something. I'm not sort of up, and you know, up to date with, you know, everything that's coming out, you know, and discovering bands with their first single, I discover them with their third or fourth album. You know. <laughs> yeah, I know you mean, yeah. <laughs> And it's a bit the same with comics. You know, I um, uh, I dabble. I, you know, if, if uh, I spot something that looks interesting, I give it a whirl. Um, other than that, I'm buying, you know, the people that um, uh, I've been buying for years, you know. But I gave up on continuity. I gave up on superhero comics quite a while ago. They gave up um, on
0: us already, I think, Pete. Yeah. I think they gave up yeah. first.
2: <laughs> yes, well, I think, you know, they they very much decided they were gonna go for fanboys and continuity and it just is incomprehensible. And not only is it incomprehensible, you don't care. Yeah. You know. Um you know, find somebody that's a really good writer, um, doing a Superman story and I'll give it a try, but do I want to buy Superman every month? No, I don't. You know? Yeah, okay,
0: get Yeah. 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 Maybe we are moving towards that sort of Bond SNA kind of model, you know, where we get a good album of Batman, a good album of Superman every
2: year. And, you know, it would be nice to think so. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think, um, uh, I don't know. I'm trying to think of things that have impressed me recently. I, I tend to end up sort of buying, um, you know, old stuff uh, in a nice collected thing. There's a fantastic thing that's just come out, which is all the Ray Bradbury stories that were adapted for Easter. Yeah. I got
0: season. it for Christmas. Yeah, it's lovely, isn't it? Yeah. yeah.
2: Gorgeous. Absolutely gorgeous. Massive. And, but it's going to break. I'm, I'm
0: worried about my floorboards. But yeah. 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 Exactly.
2: And David Roach just did a compilation of British romance.
0: Course. Yeah. Yeah. Johnny Cannon, one of the regular yeah, hosts Cannon on here, was talking about it. Lovely. I mean,
2: very much a kind of thing of its time, but even so.
0: It's a beautiful thing to look at, isn't it? I think.
2: Yeah, yeah. But for me, it's always come down to writers. You know, I mean, comics has always had good artists. You know, but it was at the point that we started getting people like Alan Moore and Neil Gaiman, and you know, Jaime Hernandez, who's yeah. vastly underrated. Yeah, yeah. Uh, That's when it all got kind of drop-kicked into another league.
0: Yeah, because I know I've I've heard you you say one of the, your first loves around art of any kind was Toth, and his um, Zorro's work. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So I know. used
2: to come out it was on the front page of Mickey Mouse Weekly. <laughs> Ain't that a weird one, eh? Five years <laughs> old. <laughs> yeah. I got a
0: mate called Zorro, but that's for a different reason. Yeah. Good. Um the other thing I wanted to mention as well, because I'm a big Brendan McCarthy fan, is uh Sorcerer's yeah. Zilk. Um which yes. was great. Which was honestly it was like like doing LSD through your eyeballs, wasn't it?
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah. How how was that yeah. process?
2: Yeah. They, they. well, I think that he'd, um, he'd done the first series with Al Williamson and then Al became, you know, extremely famous and, uh, you know, mainstay of Marvel and all the rest of it. So he wasn't going to be out for doing another series. And I think they were casting around for somebody that might actually be able to work with Brendan. And uh, approach <laughs>
1: more,
2: uh, I thought, yeah, I'll give it a go. Um, and by and large, I had a lot of fun doing it. They keep talking about putting it into a book, but it hasn't happened yet. So yeah, I was, keep hearing of that.
0: Yeah, yeah. and it make a great book. Cause there's, there's a lot of art as well on there, isn't there? You know. Um, yeah, no, there
2: I, is. I mean, you know, uh, they want to do a book of the whole thing, whereas I would rather they did two books. But that's just me, you know. Yeah. <laughs>
0: um, and the other thing, before we sort of sign off, have you got anything out? Do you want to ask before I? Ask no, well, final?
1: the one I was going to say is the taking us back to the comic relief book briefly, in, in terms of the cover. Oh, yeah, yeah, we didn't mention and the cover, did
0: we? Yeah, yeah.
1: That that That's a family connection to yourself, is that right? And in, in that it's got, because Ryan Hughes was involved in it. That, well, Wikipedia says
0: you're related. We're not sure.
1: Yeah. yeah, Ryan's my brother-in-law.
0: Ah, there you go. Right. Yeah. i read his sister. <laughs> okay, so um, Dave McKean and Gary Leach drew the cover and Ryan did the design on it, is, is that right? Yeah,
2: yeah. It's a great yeah. cover. Yeah. Yeah. I'd forgotten that Gary did all the badges. Yeah. That's it, yeah, yeah. You can tell he's Hulk, <laughs> can't you? You really yeah. can,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and the the back cover
2: was by John Bolton, yes. Um, and again, a beautiful painting, yeah. yeah. And it got yeah. stolen, it vanished. I don't know what whether they ever found it again.
0: Oh, yeah, <laughs> how much do you need? No, Okay, um, good. Um, so the, my last question for you, then, Pete, before we, we we could just get some links and find out what you're up to next, would be. We are getting a third season of Resident Alien, aren't
2: we? Yes, they're filming it at the moment.
0: Right, great. Okay. Have you had any input into that, or any? You got anything you can tell us behind the scenes around that one? Uh,
2: not yet. There's a there's a vague chance I might be going out to Canada to watch and film it. That'll oh, uh, be nice, man. Yeah. 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 It would
0: be nice. yeah, yeah. yeah. Cool. And um, so, mainly for you then, what have you got coming up next, other than Resident Alien? It's called The Book of Life, isn't it? I think the next. It's it is.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there's, there's two more books of, um, resident alien to come. Um, uh, so book eight is done as far as I'm concerned and I'm writing book nine. Okay. Uh, I'm also doing, uh, about half a dozen short uh, horror comics for a kind of kickstarter project, um, which I did as an experiment and it's been interesting.
0: Okay. Um, who, who are the artists on that? Can you say, or?
2: I don't know yet um so it's because uh, uh i mean hopefully i'll have a say but i, I, I suspect it's going to be people who are good but unknown okay. than, so interesting but, yeah so and other fun. than that i'm trying to um get myself a literary agent and do a novel um but christ knows how long that will take
0: <laughs> <laughs> good stuff <laughs> great and where can we find you online pete
2: uh well, other than by Googling me, you can't. Um uh, I, I don't have a website or anything. So
0: I think I found you through Facebook, didn't I? I yeah, yeah, yeah. We can't do Yeah, brilliant stuff. Great. Um for me you can find me at never dot or coming up this Sunday is the live awesome comics podcast event. You're gonna be there, Alan, aren't you? I will indeed. Good man. Um we're doing a live it's our four hundredth for the other podcast we do, Pete. Um it's our four hundredth, so it's gonna get so we have like an audience for the four hundredth. Um so we're going to do that. Um, and where can we find you, Al?
1: So you can find me at uh, at Penguin on any form of social media. Um, but rather than finding me at the moment, uh, what you want to do is jump onto Kickstarter and look for Madeline, yeah. the zine that is um, collecting memories of um, of comics that, that people have put uh, put together. Um, and again, it's raising money for charity and for the Alzheimer's and Society, though we're not allowed to see that.
2: Yeah, because you're yeah, not allowed to raise money on Kickstarter.
1: But yeah, if there's any money over, charity.
0: there's going to be. But, it's yeah, going to be going to the yeah. And there's Skins on that as well. So that's good. So yeah. if you're a fan of Dead Skin, come on, do that. Um, we're also looking for the material for the third anthology, Drawn Under the Influence, DUI3. Um, we've, we're almost full now, but we are looking for some stories. Um, and that goes to raise money for Mind. Um, please, no more robot stories. We've got all loads of robot stories, or Eamon has. So we're looking for stuff on that. Um, thanks, Pete. We really do appreciate it, mate. That's been brilliant. We were quite pumped about this. Um, So it's great to have you on. Um, And Al, do you want to sign us off?
1: Well, it's a stonking goodbye.
0: (laughs) See you later.